everybody. Welcome back to the Maroon Weekly. It is Monday, February 21st. As always, I'm Ron. I'm Isaac. We've got a ton of stories to cover today, so let's jump straight into it. Uh, I've got a story first about the Hyde Park Interfaith Council. This past January, the Hyde Park and Kenwood Interfaith Council, which is a grouping of religious leaders and local community organizations, announced the creation of an anti-violence task force to address rising rates of violent crimes in their congregational regions. The formation of this task force was announced in a letter to the Hyde Park Herald on Martin Luther King Day. The leader of the task force is Reverend Veronica Johnson, a pastor at the Hyde Park Union Church. She discussed the responsibility of religious communities to mitigate violent crime, asking, quote, if not now, when? End quote. The University of Chicago has a representative on the task force in the form of Bree Lascota, the newly appointed executive director of the university's Marty Center for Public Understanding of Religion. The task force plans to mitigate violence through the usage of education, service, outreach, and advocacy. It also wants to start a mental health and trauma response program for those who are impacted by violent incidents in various communities. Members of the task force hope and encourage students interested in faith-based activism to join the task force. This news story was originally reported by Noah Glasgow, and you can read the full story on the Chicago Room website. So this next story we have contains some sensitive topics, uh, topics surrounding sexual assault and harassment allegations made against a former University of Chicago professor. So if you'd prefer to not listen to the story, just skip ahead in the episode until you hear Ram's voice again. But originally written by Aaron Choi, three Harvard graduate students are suing their university for ignoring and enabling sexual abuse by John Komaroff, a Harvard anthropology professor who previously taught at UChicago from 1978 to 2012. The lawsuit claims that when Harvard hired Komaroff in 2012, they did so knowing that he had a widespread reputation for sexual misconduct at UChicago. The lawsuit, filed in Boston Federal Court on February 8th, argues that Harvard knew of and enabled Komaroff's abuse when they hired him from UChicago. One of three plaintiffs, Amila Mandava, graduated from UChicago in 2010 and is currently a PhD student at Harvard. Mandava alleges that she experienced Komaroff's abuse as an undergraduate at UC and faced retaliation for reporting his abuse to other students at Harvard. UChicago provided the following statement to the Maroon, and quote, The university is committed to addressing and preventing incidents of unlawful harassment and sexual misconduct and makes substantial efforts to respond in a prompt, equitable, and thorough manner whenever allegations occur. When a report of sexual misconduct is made to the university, we take immediate action to provide support, resources, and resolution options to the reporter. When an allegation is investigated and substantiated, we take, a- we take action to prevent its recurrence and address its effects. In light of privacy considerations, we do not release details about individual cases. Additionally, Komarov's lawyers issued a statement in response to the lawsuit, quoting, Professor Komarov categorically denies ever harassing or retaliating against any student, the statement reads. To address the lawsuit's specific allegations, Professor Komarov was never the subject of any Title IX or other complaint at the University of Chicago. Finally, Harvard issued a statement saying Harvard University disputes the allegations of the lawsuit brought by Sanford Heisler Sharp, LLP, which are in no way a fair or accurate representation of the thoughtful steps taken by the university in response to concerns that were brought forward, the thorough reviews conducted, and the results of those reviews. 
The lawsuit includes specific anonymous allegations of sexual misconduct while at UChicago and suggests that UChicago faculty and graduate students were widely aware of his abusive patterns. The lawsuit recounts examples of Komarov's alleged abuse against one undergraduate and two graduate students at UChicago. To read more about the details of Komarov's history at the university, please see Aaron Choi's article on the Maroons website. Recent developments in the case have sent ripples across Harvard, UChicago, and the rest of academia. In response to Komarov's January sanctions, 38 Harvard professors signed an open letter on February 4th questioning the procedure and results of the investigations. The letter prompted a response signed by 73 faculty denouncing the original letter for implicitly discrediting the students' accusations. Five days later, the day after the lawsuit was released, 35 of the 38 professors sought to retract their original letter. In some more lighter news, in a story originally reported by Noah Glasso, David Axelrod, the former chief strategist and senior advisor to President Barack Obama and Mr. Axfile himself, announced last Tuesday that he will be stepping down from his position as the director of the Institute of Politics, which he helped found in 2013. Despite his decision to step down, Axelrod assured students that he would remain engaged in the IOP's programming, and in January of 2023, he announced he will become the chairman of the IOP's board of advisors and assume a new post as a senior fellow. Axelrod rose to prominence as the chief architect of both Obama's presidential campaigns. He was also a senior advisor to the president from 2009 to 11. Before his time in national politics, he received a degree in political science from UChicago in 1976. If you, as a UChicago student, live under a rock and don't know about the IOP, it's the university's nonpartisan political institute offering internships, fellowships, and career advising to those interested in political studies or a career in politics. Its popular speaker series frequently draws prominent state and local representatives, jurists, and political thinkers. I once went to an event and saw Margaret Hoover. I follow her on Twitter to this day. That's a true story. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Great. And we'll finish it off with our COVID update in terms of news stories. Um, in the most recent COVID update sent on Friday, February 18th, by UChicago Forward, the university reported 152 new COVID cases and 405 close contacts, with 71 students isolating on campus and 24 isolating off campus. In an attempt to conserve space in the Stony Island Isolation Dormitory, some students living on campus who have tested positive for COVID have been placed on an isolation in place mandate. Only students who live in singles or doubles where both of the residents tested positive for the virus have been asked to isolate in place. And each house in the dormitory, as far as I know, also has an isolation bathroom. Um, oh, interesting. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're being pretty careful with the, with the isolation in place. Um, the trends have been very promising in terms of, of COVID cases that are, that are being found and with guidance from experts at UC Med, the university is evaluating whether mandatory testing needs to stay active for on-campus students and may move to a voluntary model as soon as February 28th. That's crazy to yeah. think about. Yeah. Um, that's in accordance with citywide recommendations, correct? Um, I think it's, uh, well, it's, uh, it's the, 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 the people at UC Med have like been considering 
like the trends in the city of, of Chicago and in the university specifically. Right. Um, but I don't think they're like beholden to any. Right. No, for sure. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, it could mean the end of indoor masking soon then perhaps based on the data if you chicago medicine epidemiologists deem it to be okay uh just in time for our spring quarter at the university of chicago until three weeks later they decide to put the masks back on (laughs) which is fine yeah i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that i advocate for listening to the science when making informed decisions but um it's crazy i haven't been to an in-person class without a mask since february of 2020 yeah. Well, I, I, that's not technically true. I went to I a class outside sometimes. So I yeah, outside. likewise, likewise. I took a class in Woods Hole, Massachusetts at UChicago's Marine Biology Laboratory in September. Great course. Highly recommend. If anyone's at all interested, it's a, it's a blast. But all of our work was basically outside. Well, half of our work was outside, so I was able to unmask with some professors there, but not in an indoor setting. So things could be kind of returning to normal just in time for our departure from this university. Yeah. <laughs> Which will, would be pretty I, crazy. Yeah. I will say that I think the university might go a little bit harder on restrictions. I imagine immediately after spring break. Yeah. Because, I imagine that yeah. to be the case as well. Yeah. Uh, because we would assume that cases would be being brought back to the university. Right. Community, exactly. Yeah. Um, unsurprisingly. But, um, in a kind of related but mostly unrelated note, the university released data match. And the only reason I say it's related is because you have events indoors where you can take masks off when you're eating food, but not on university property. Anyways, Ron, can you tell us a little bit about data match and what it means for undergrad students? Right, yeah. So data match is basically a student-run dating program uh, that... Uh, spans across a multitude of universities, including the University of Chicago. And basically how it works is, I've actually never done it, but (laughs) basically how it works is uh, you're given a series of questions um, and based on your responses to those questions, you're matched with a series of people uh, and you're given those matches on Valentine's Day. Um, And then from there you can choose to, you know, message with your matches and, and see if you can work anything out. But yeah, some of the questions, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, may, I may not have done data match myself, but my residents and my friends shared some of the questions with me, and they were, uh, they were quite amusing. Some of them were like asking about the worst, like your, the, like, uh, your idea of like the worst house trip possible, or um, there, were a lot <laughs> of, there were a lot of digs made at like investment banking and consulting. Um, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was quite amusing. I think I signed up for data match my freshman year. Um, if if it was around, if it wasn't around, it was like data match adjacent. I think it was data match. Okay, I'm pretty yeah. sure. I'm pretty sure that that happened all four years. I remember that to actually communicate with your data matches, you would have to email them. Oh, I think they, that was, I think they changed that. Right, that's yeah. good because yeah. that was super weird, <laughs> and I didn't end up emailing any of my data matches uh, as a 19 year old first-year student, I thought um, that would be really, really awkward. So I didn't do anything with Data Match, though I do remember it being pretty funny in its, its yeah. scope and question-asking and all that stuff. But Yeah, I think it's pretty self-aware. Like, <laughs> it's, it's like, like, it's, like, everyone who does it, like, 
it's like fifth tier Tinder. Like right, it's yeah. below all of exactly. the actual apps. And yeah. if you're turning to Data Match at U Chicago, it's kind of for the memes. Yeah, exactly. It's for the memes. Yeah. Um, but anyways, it was quite a news-packed week. We weren't able to cover everything that the University of Chicago Maroon wrote. So uh, check back on the website for some other stories around surrounding student life and and everything else having to do with you Chicago, but I think that'll do it for this episode. Awesome. Yeah, so as always, I'm Isaac. And I'm Ron. And we will catch you all next week. Have a wonderful seventh week. Do pre-reg. Oh, yeah, do pre-reg. That's news. Uh, pre-register. Yeah, that's important. Thank you. I was... There's a high likelihood that I would have forgotten. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Last quarter of class. <laughs> Anyways, have a good uh, seventh week.